Like many small nonprofits, we were founded in memory of a loved one. Should we use the origin story or stay away from it? Any downsides to an origin story? Absolutely no downsides, in my opinion. I Where I think, um, I mean, I think origin stories are really powerful. Uh, when it's a nonprofit that was funded in memory of a loved one, I, I think you run the risk, depending on who is telling that origin story, can get... Um, can can be less effective if not done the right way. So here's where I'm going with this. Like, so you've lost, let's say it's me, right? I've lost a loved one. I create, you know, my own little charity for it and uh, my own nonprofit for it. And then every time I'm telling my origin story, I am so wrapped up in the emotion of, of the origin of it that like I, the person doesn't even know, I can't get past that because I'm just stuck on, oh my God, this tragic, horrible thing that happened. My tears are flowing and this is what made me create XYZ nonprofit. And while that's passionate, I think it can make a donor uncomfortable or the donor wants to kind of know, well, then tell me more about what you're doing as a result? How are you helping others as a result? The origin story is, is a great opportunity to lead it into other stories, right? So, so it's not just stuck on the founding. The founding is great and it has a purpose, but it can lead to talking about the need you identified, which is why you even created the nonprofit. Nothing else exists like it, uh, hopefully, right? <laughs> or whatever the case might be, or, or it helps lead to an impact story. So so I think you just really have to think about origin is powerful. It also, it also can be really uh, done poorly if not if it's not the right person sharing the story and doing it, you know, kind of leading it to a larger picture story. Yeah, I, I think one of the things he said was I think the key there is that it needs to lead to the impact story, right? So because as humans we we respond well to narrative. Like we want to, we want to know what the story is. We want to know why your organization exists. And if it's, you're right. If it's something that's, that's going to, that's going to be more, make me more connected to the organization after hearing it. If it's something that's going to connect with me and make me think that this is something that I want to be involved in. I think that's good, but, but you're right. There's a sort of a, a fine line between like, it's like almost too much information, right? Like, yeah. okay, I get it. You can stop now. <laughs> like, yeah. like I really TMI. don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to be that connected to you to be honest. Right. And so connecting to that impact story where you're saying, okay, great. I'm glad that that made you really, really sad. Tell me what we're doing about it. Like tell me and give me the story of how that works. I think is, is for me being super cynical um, is I think the most effective. And, and one final thought on this. I, I do think you want to look at who's sharing your stories. Obviously, I'm a huge believer that everyone in an organization, staff, volunteers, board members, hopefully they all have stories to pull from so that they can talk yep. about the organization, right, in a compelling way. But I, I will share this sort of um, personal experience. I had a nonprofit years ago reach out to me because their founder and this oftentimes happens with founder-led organizations, sorry founders, um, but it basically the founder couldn't get past sort of, it was all about I, 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 mm -hmm. I did this, I this. And it, it the staff and, and the board met, board members were really concerned because they said it just feels, 
it's kind of turning people off, right? Mm -hmm. Than than helping. So, so if you are listening and you're a founder, just watch yourself a little bit on that. Um, it definitely should be larger than yourself. You can spend a, a brief moment talking about the I part, but it, it needs to quickly turn into the we and they and you as a donor, here's how you can help, right? Or here's how you as a person can help. Yeah, the, it's, it's a good point too, because the, the purpose of it isn't, the purpose of an organization isn't really to help alleviate one person's pain, even though that may have been what started the whole thing. That may have been the impetus to make a fantastic organization fantastic. Several of the organizations I work with, we've been really clear about there is a there is a tour that you will do. You'll bring in people into, especially of a space that you need to share. You'll bring people in and there's a very specific written tour that people work on that in certain places as you're walking people around the space, you're talking about certain things and having some sort of story about something, the reason that this we're standing in this place and here's a reason that this place is important. And here's a story that's going to give you more information to help you connect this physical activity that we're doing or this physical space that we're in with something that's going to help the community in a meaningful way that that can relate back to your origin story if that's important. But a lot of times it shouldn't. A lot of times it should be talking about what we're doing right now to solve whatever challenge that we're solving or how the thing that we're doing right now helps the community and why where you're standing is important as part of that too. So, you know, I think, I think origin stories are great. I think, I mean, superhero movies tell us anything. People like hearing them uh, <laughs> over and yes. over and over again. <laughs> like I've seen like nine Spider-Man movies that are basically, he gets bit by a spider again. Wait, yeah. he'll be surprised. It's a spider. He bites him. <laughs> he was radioactive. Um, so, so like, like having that, that next story is probably important too. Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I've got my fantastic co-host Stacy Wedding with me, and we are here to answer a bunch of awesome questions from you, our listeners. Which reminds me to say that is why this podcast exists. It's because we get questions from our listeners. Stacy and I think about them. If we don't know the answer, we will pitch it out to a guest expert. So we encourage you to send us those really complicated, touchy, tacky gnarly questions we just the, the grosser the better <laughs> make, see if you can stump us or make us actually do a bunch of research that would be great too uh, this is all made possible by the alliance for nevada nonprofits so thank you for to ann uh, one of the ways that you can support the podcast in addition to sending us questions is to become a member so go to the alliance for nevada nonprofits.com check out the cool member benefits there it's only 150 dollars a year it's good for your entire organization so if you have an organization with like a thousand people in it it's only 150 dollars if you amortize that out it's just a tiny fraction so go ahead and do that and with that we will get into the questions today's podcast is sponsored by immunize nevada arm yourself by getting your annual flu vaccine it protects you your family and those working on the front lines do your part get your flu vaccine by nevada day Visit nvflufighter.org for more information and to find free and low-cost clinics. A 
Unfortunately, our organization was forced to lay off several staff due to the pandemic. I wasn't a part of the decision-making about who was kept and who wasn't, but it was evident that seniority was one of the key factors. We lost at least a handful of really good employees, while others with less merit, much less in some cases, are still employed with us. With layoffs likely to continue as the economic situation drags on, how should nonprofits prioritize who stays and who goes? Uh, so once again, I'm not going to answer the question right off the bat. I'm going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> you love those tangents, don't you, I'm just going to go off on a tangent. <laughs> so, so let's talk about layoffs just in general. Because so here's, here's what I think is happening. I mean, obviously, we are in a very strange, unusual situation, right, where there's tons of uncertainty. We can't, we can't do a lot of the fundraising things that we were used to doing. There's huge amounts of unemployment for certainly for basic needs charities. The, the need is going through the roof. And let, yet donations are probably, I, I don't know, I don't think it's, I don't think we have enough data yet to say whether or not this is going to be like 2008, where we saw the flow of fundraising change, uh, where like the kinds of things that people were giving money to changed, but the total volume of money didn't change. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that or if this is going to be something a little bit different, like the stock market's still really hot for some completely unknown it's reason. Bizarre. So is the housing market, right? Like I keep talking to friends who are in the home, but like work for home builders who are, who said they've had the busiest last few months than they ever have. So yeah. it's kind of crazy times. Yeah. So, so all of the, like your typical recession economic indicators are all over the map right now, which, which yeah. makes it hard to predict, like, is this going to be, a super long, you know, are we going to turn it around really fast? Like once, once there's a vaccine available and people start using it, are we going to just like pop right back out of it? Like what's the change going to look like? So, so I mean, recognizing that uncertainty is, is baked into this answer. Layoffs are, the reason people typically do layoffs is because they see a short-term cash problem and they look at their budget and the biggest line in many, many cases is the salary line. And so they think, well, that's since that's the biggest line, maybe that's the easiest way that we can we can address our shortfall is by attacking what's the biggest line. Um, and and what they don't do is is think about sort of the long term impact of layoffs of what like that all of the direct and indirect costs that go along with doing a layoff. Um, and we'll talk about those in a minute because that does kind of answer the question. But, but when and this and, and I don't even know who I'm talking to at this point. But if you're in the position where your nonprofit is considering a layoff, um, my first recommendation is to take a step back and recognize that in all of the literature and all of the research about when layoffs are appropriate and when layoffs are effective, that. It's, it's actually exactly a mixed bag, that 50% of layoffs don't do what you want them to do, they don't solve your problem, and 50% of layoffs do. And the difference is, is that when, when the layoff is part of a broader strategic restructuring, like we're looking at our organization, we're saying, okay, we used to do, we used to do these things, 
And now we no longer want to do those things. We're going to pivot to this completely new model. We're changing our model completely. And because of that, our workforce needs to look different. So we need to modify the way our workforce is. We need to have different people in different roles. We may need to have far fewer in this area and far more in this area. So we're actually doing a major restructuring because we've made, taken a new strategic direction. That's when layoffs are effective. Layoffs are not effective when you're like, oh no, the economy's tanking. We've seen a one quarter, I mean, at this point, we've seen a one quarter drop off in donations. We can't hold our gala fundraising event. Pull the fire alarm. We're going to fire half the staff because that's the only way that we're going to keep this building, right? That's yeah. 100% of the time, that's the wrong thing to do. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, and the other thing, when I when I was reading this question, my my assumption is, given that they said that you know people with the most seniority seem to be the layoffs, and those with it, like, and I'm sure it's because it, my my assumption here is it's because they were making the most money, right? The people with the most seniority, oftentimes, make the most money, um, and so I'm sitting here just going, so or you know, and it talks about, you know. Obviously, seniority is one of the key factors, and you know, there's people, employees with less merit that are left, um, and it, it, so it makes me think: did did this organization just kind of go across the board and say, okay, let's get rid of all of our high-paid positions, right? Like, and let's keep the sort of the ones that are not not as as painful to our 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 you know our, our budget line item. I mean, yeah. I yeah, it, it just actually it, which. I read that the other way. I read it as, Did I mean, you? we don't, they didn't say, I, I assumed that, so what it says, the question says it was evident that seniority was one of the key factors. The way I interpreted that was that if you've been here for longer, the next number of years, you got to stay. And if you're brand new, that's where we decided to make that cutoff. That, that, oh, the, oh, interesting. And I totally I, looked so at who it knows? It so, yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, recommend, so both are stupid. Both are yes, stupid. Both are dumb. Yes, yes, yes. That's the bottom line. Right. Because because Andy, that was like to your point, what I kept my advice was going to be like if, if the person who wrote this can can share this or is in a decision making role in some way, like my advice is what what is your plan? Like, are there programs that you've decided to cut or services right that you through because of the pandemic or looking longer term, you just realized, hey, we kind of got into this this, you know, program or service that really hasn't benefited the community or had the impact we want. So now is the time to take it away. And there's a staff position that's tied to that. Then it's a lot more strategic about, right, where are we going as an organization mm -hmm. and what changes are we making as a result of the pandemic? And that'll probably last potentially after the pandemic. And then let's make, if we're going to lay off, then let's do it based on that versus this sort of gut you know, a reaction or this like super reaction that that doesn't take into account anything about the organization's future. Right, right. So, so I mean, so I think, I think the, the seniority, the reason that even came up is because they were trying to come up, my assumption is that the, the leadership was trying to come up with some kind of procedural fairness. They're trying to think of a way that they didn't have to think about hard things like is our strategy broken is the space that we're in overcrowded do donors just not care about this issue anymore do we you know do we suck at 
grant writing, like whatever the right. true underlying reason of not being able to weather this. Um, and it's really still, it's only been a quarter. Like we haven't been this, this isn't a two year long downturn. This isn't a two year long pandemic. This is a quarter. And yeah, yeah, it's not, it's looking bleak. I mean, nobody's happy about where we're at right now, obviously, but that doesn't mean that, I mean, if I don't, I don't know, I think, I think layoffs right now just seem like such a, like a gut you know, react unless, unless there's something, you know, structurally wrong with your organization that you physically cannot operate for the next two years. And you, you know, you've got such a lot anyway. Um, well, and you know what, <laughs> it becomes sort of a good excuse too, right? So this is sad, but I've also had conversations with nonprofits right now that are saying, oh, we didn't know how to really deal with this bad employee or get rid of them. Now we can just, you know, Woo, use the pandemic as our excuse. So like, which yeah. is a larger issue, right? That's a much larger problem with how the organization is managed and how you deal with that stuff. But like, I think there's this weird tension we're feeling right now between sort of a hybrid of all these things. People freaking out, react, overreacting or reacting too quickly. You know, people um, maybe just not using some common sense around some of this stuff. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so if, if the, I mean, the question really asked about seniority, like, does that make sense? Like that we shouldn't, we shouldn't look at how, how effective or useful our staff is to deliver our mission, but we should just like draw a really bright line and say, if you've been here for less than two years or more than two years, you're gone. If you've been here, right. Right. Um, so, so I think that was probably just the laziest possible way to do something that didn't feel like you needed to do the hard work to determine how your organization's going to go in the future. Because there, there are lots of other ways that exactly, I mean, exactly what you just said is looking at what the work looks like in the future and then designing your, and then coming up with a workforce that can effectively do that work rather than just like pulling the trigger and, and cutting a, a particular subsection of employees. And, and the only time you would even consider some kind of secondary metric beyond like what makes us do the work is if you inadvertently um, start to eat into a protected class or you start, you realize like, well, okay, if we get rid of this entire department, oh my God, we just got rid of like only black employees, right? right. That's the time that you step back and you go, okay, we need to revisit how we've decided yes. this because we cannot make this decision. Like this is not, yes. so you need to say, okay, we need to make sure that we're including all of the important factors when determining what employees to get rid of and what employees to keep in addition to what workforce makes the best sense for our organization, right? So, so I can see where you could, you could come up with some sort of additional things and, and seniority might factor into that at some point. Um, if that's what you need to make the equation work, but, but it isn't the first thing you should go to. That's just sloppy and lazy. So I, I guess I feel like you are, you're probably going to touch on some other factors and you talked about indirect cost. And I mean, one of the things I was thinking about through all this is you and I both know Andy, that the cost to onboard and train a new employee is, is incredible. Right. So, so it also feels like there's not, there's, thinking about losing someone who's maybe had some history with the organization or already gotten trained is, is losing a big investment more than just that, that one thing on the budget. Right. So it's yep. sort of like thinking about, and, and then what, how does that impact your work? Um, I mean, so in my opinion, like when I think about who stays and who goes and how you decide, I mean, I think it comes from everything we're saying, strategic lens about where you're headed in the future, what, what program services you're going to continue and, um, and then tied to that, I mean, I do think there is something to say, and I would love your opinion on this. 
I, I think you need to think about the skills and abilities and, and sort of qualities of those on your team and who is going to rally during these tough times, who is going to help you get back to a better place because that we all know there's some employees that are not those employees. And if I'm an employer, I'm get, that's going to weigh into my decision, whether I'm putting that on paper or not, that is going to be in the back of my head thinking so-and-so has always been a, a, you know, a team player, a good sport, like has always kind of done that. I mean, I, I don't think that's the only factor, but I think it's one that honestly, like we come, you know, the organization will come back ahead better if they have someone who's got the right mindset. So I don't know if you think that's totally dicey, but that's my opinion. No, I think, I think you're exactly right. And I actually, I made a list, which includes what you just said. I made a list of things that when someone, if you're in a leadership position and somebody else says, I think we should do a layoff, I've made a list of things that um, you should throw back and say, okay, you think you're going to save all this money. Let me tell you all of the things that you're going to lose or all of the additional costs. So number one, when you get rid of people, if they've been there for any period of time, especially if you're if you're getting rid of somebody that's been there for more than a year, you're going to have to come up with some sort of severance. You're not; they just don't walk away, and you immediately lose the cost. You then you lose the ability of that employee to work for you, plus two weeks or a month or three months or whatever you decide is enough to soften the blow to make this person not hate you forever, right? Or saw you know assuage yeah. your personal conscience about this terrible yeah. thing you just did. So you've got you've got severance pay. You may have to pay for accrued vacation, accrued sick pay if that's your policy when somebody leaves, you may have to add that in there. Um, there could be additional employee benefits and health health benefits that you're going to end up paying for another three months. You may have um, short-term, long-term disability, like all of these other insurance payments. Um, it costs money to process people. Your HR team is going to need to spend time doing this instead of what they're supposed to be working on. When we come out of this in a year or whatever, you're going to spend a bunch of time rehiring or trying to chase down all those old employees who actually have that institutional history and they know about your organization. You're going to spend, you're going to have to advertise for those positions. You're going to have to track them down. You're going to have to spend time bringing them back up to speed on all the stuff they missed for the six months that you got rid of them. Um, you, you're going to have exactly, as you said, you're going to have, um, for the employees that are survivors of your bloodbath, you're going to have, uh, low employee morale because the first thing, once you announce a layoff, everybody that's not in a leadership position automatically assumes it's your fault as the leader. Like the reason that we're doing this right now is because you're terrible at planning and who's next. Like, are we going to, if this gets worse in another six months or something, you know, what if we have, an earthquake on top of this, right? If you're someplace else in the country, what happens when tornado season or hurricane season starts and we have two disasters on top of each other? Like, I'm just going to go start looking for another job now because I don't trust that you're going to be able to keep the wheels on this bus long enough for, for us to get through this. Um, so they're going to be low morale. They're going to be risk averse. They're going to be looking for new jobs because you just got rid of a bunch of people. They're all eligible for unemployment. And so your unemployment rate for your organization that you pay, that rate's going to tick up. So you have to factor that cost in. Um, if you and, and if you're getting rid of a lot of people, you've also increased the risk that you're going to see an EEOC claim. That someone's going to say the reason you hired me is the reason you got rid of me is is you know you say it's because of the pandemic, but it's really because I'm a member of a protected class and you're trying to discriminate against me. And so you're going to see EEOC claims, regardless of whether or not it's a true statement. You're still going to get those claims against you, and you're going to get lower productivity from the the survivors that are there that are just in the hallways talking about what a 
nightmare that you've just created, um, loss of institutional memory, like the, if you, especially if you're getting rid of those people that have been there a little bit longer. Every time you get rid of an employee, you, when they leave, they don't just take their <laughs> their house plant or whatever, no. right? <laughs> and their phone yeah. charger, they take all of the accumulated knowledge that they've gained from working at that yes. desk and doing that job for the length of time that they've been there. That is something that you need to pay to replace. It's the amount of time it takes you to, to onboard a new employee. So unless you're considering that entire basket of stuff, when you decide <laughs> to make the layoff decision, you're making a dumb decision. Well, you've really, yeah, I, I will tell you, I'm like breaking out in hives just listening to that long list. So, and I'm, I, so, so whichever employers are using, you know, just doing these random layoffs, I hope they hear this and like get break out in a cold sweat like I am, because it really is, it really is though, um, there's other ways, right, to either increase revenue or reduce expense. And so maybe the idea here is that, you know, it doesn't always have to be, it's like, on the backs of people and on good employees. Yeah. So, so recognizing that payroll is a really high expense, like there are other options in addition to layoffs. So if, if layoffs is one of the things that you're thinking about, you should also be thinking about all of the other things that could potentially reduce your payroll costs. So you could do, you can do a hiring freeze. I know a lot of people have done hiring freezes as the pandemic starts because they're like, you know, let's just, you know, if somebody leaves and, Great. They leave. Let them leave. Fantastic. We just won't refill their position. Um, you can you can make people take mandatory vacations. You can reduce the work week. You can make sure that you're not spending extra money in overtime if you're having to pay overtime. You can you can do salary reductions. I think in a hundred percent of the cases, people would say, "Okay, I've got two options for you. We can either fire you, or we yeah. can reduce your salary." And I yeah. think a very large majority of people. I mean, you still have a lot of those morale problems that come along with that. Um, but, but I think a lot of people were probably more likely to accept a salary reduction than they are to, to accept a layoff. Well, and I think the morale problems with a salary reduction are lessened if it's a salary reduction across the board, right? If employees mm -hmm. know perhaps it was just a whatever, whatever percent that is, a 10% salary cut across the board, it feels a little more palatable. Um, I've talked to another, a couple of organizations during going, you know, during these tough times, and they've talked about, um, I mean, their CEOs or executive directors who are paid well at, at more mid-sized organizations have said they've, they've chosen and they've announced to staff that they're going to you know, not take a salary for a few months or they're going to reduce their first step is their own salary, like reducing it. And, and I think that's a super symbolic, um, I mean, kudos to them that they're able to do that and they have a life where they're able to do that. Um, but that, talk about doing just the opposite of increasing morale among employees going, wow, that's a leader that cares, right? Like, I just think there's so many, so many ways to kind of slice this that, yep. that, that can make it a little less painful for everybody. Yeah, and one of the one of the really cool things about being a nonprofit is you have the ability to donate money to your own organization. Yeah. And and if you are in a position of if you're in a leadership position and you're making more than the average wage of the rest of the employees in your organization, I mean that is a really effective way to help solve some of this. I mean, obviously, if you're in a giant organization, it's not going to help much. But if you're in a smaller organization and somebody's getting paid, you know, $180,000 a year to do a job, and there are people who are making $40,000 a year, and those are the ones that are on the line for being laid off, 
Maybe you make a $10,000 gift to your organization this year. Talk to your yeah. board about it. Say, here's, here's what we'd like to do. Um, not, I mean, I, we do a lot of these employee assistance funds with like bigger companies, bigger for-profit companies. And, and that's, that's how it works. And, and employees are the employees that are in a position to be able to assist the rest of their employees. Um, they, they, they love doing that. They love being part of that. They, it makes them feel good that, that they're not just helping the community, they're helping their own organization. And because it's, you're a nonprofit, there's not an extra step. You don't need to set up anything separate. You just make a donation to your organization. If you yeah. add $10,000 to your organization, there's nothing preventing that $10,000 being used for general operating, which goes to the salaries of the people that you're going to keep. So, so I that's love a, that. And, and, and I know that we're not doing this to, I mean, we're not looking at this from sort of the incentive to the person donating, but if, if they do itemize and meet some of those thresholds and given some of even the changes in that landscape right now, I mean, perhaps, um, you know, if they, if they want to look at it, like, Hey, I'm not only helping the organization with a large donation, but I'm also helping, I can write this off, you know, if they, if they meet all the thresholds. So, um, yeah, yeah. kind of a double benefit. And I'm always, so, I'm always just suspicious in general of, of executive directors and CEOs that don't make donations to their own organizations. It always feels weird to me. It feels like if yeah. you're in that position, you're making that money. Uh, yeah. It's a hard job. Yeah. You deserve what you're being paid. Nobody says that's not true. But one of the ways that you can prove that you actually trust the organization that you're running is to at least make a nominal donation back to your own organization. I totally agree. Andy, do you ever wish people could actually see us when we're doing this podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, cause I don't know. Then I might have to I don't know, take a shower, like clean up, shave. <laughs> I, I think what, where I'm going with this for all of our listeners, I wish you could see sort of the, we have all sorts of like, we're, we're animated when we do this and, and I hope you could hear it in our voices, but, but we get animated or make faces of each other. Or I have to go take a break to go get water or deal with the dogs. And so, you know, it's just kind of an interesting behind the scenes look that I think would be a funny spoof reel if you could actually see us, but you can't see us. So we're just going to put that picture in your head so you can, uh, you know, laugh a little or chuckle a little bit about, about these two weirdos doing this. So uh, anyways, but thank you for listening to another episode of Nonprofit Everything where we uh, do our best to answer your questions. Um, one of the true, like kind of a guilty confession I have is that um, I always spend time uh, like pouring over the questions before these podcasts and thinking about my answers and writing down notes, sometimes doing research if I'm, I'm less familiar with something. So um, I kind of nerd out on this stuff and thank you because you're making me um, a better person with this. And um, Andy, I think you wing it a little bit more, right? <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> no, no it depends on the question. <laughs> right. You're brilliant enough. He's brilliant enough. He doesn't need to do that, but, uh, but I'm more of a planner. So anyways, but with all that said, please send us the questions. Um, you know, any question, uh, matters. We love them all. And it is what kind of energizes us with this. So thank you, uh, for listening. Thank you for your support. And, uh, thanks to Anne for, for making this possible. Mm -hmm.